Welcome back to Inside Marketing Design. I'm your host, Charlie Marie. I'm a marketing designer and I started this show to learn from my peers in the tech industry about how they get their work done. And guess what? You get to listen in too. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Tommy Odesanya about marketing design at Paystack. Tommy is a design lead for the growth design team at Paystack, which is a platform that businesses in Africa use to accept payments, both online and offline. They were the first Nigerian company to be accepted into Y Combinator, which is pretty damn cool. That was back in 2015. And they are now a remote friendly team of about 250 people with offices in Nigeria, in Ghana, and in South Africa. Tommy has been at Paystack for about five years now, so he has a lot of context, a lot of insights to share with us. And I really loved learning from him about the considerations that he and the growth design team make for site speed, which is not something we've honestly delved into a lot before on this show, but it's definitely something that's becoming more and more important for designers everywhere to consider. So you're going to learn a lot about that in this episode, as well as about the design team culture at Paystack and the things that the team do to foster that. First though, a huge thank you to Webflow for sponsoring this season of the show. I use Webflow for my business because it is a visual development tool that makes building a website a heck of a lot easier than coding it from scratch. When you add elements to the canvas in Webflow, it writes nice clean code for you in the background. And I absolutely love how easy it is to create interactions and animations on a timeline in Webflow. That's something that I didn't have the skills or the patience to do when I was having to code my own website on WordPress. But now that my site is on Webflow, I can add these special touches really easily. Although I will say that since we're talking about site speed in this episode, I do try not to go overboard with the animations. (laughs) Anyway, check out Webflow for your next web design project at insidemarketingdesign.com slash Webflow, and you can explore it yourself for free. Try it out. Now, though, let's get into it and take a look inside marketing design at Paystack. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Very excited to have you here and to dig into marketing design at Paystack. Let's get started by you telling me a little bit about your role on the growth design team. Hey, Charlie. Um, So my role at Paystack, I currently lead the growth design team at Paystack. What that means is I'm responsible for, I guess, two outcomes, right? There's the, I would frame it as the leadership requirement, and then there's the IT contribution. So on the leadership side, I I work with stakeholders to articulate their requests and then prioritize based on the available resources and timeline. On the ICS part of things, I, because I also handle requests, I drive execution both across my task and across board. Interesting. So, so it's kind of like my role as creative director at ConvertKit. Like I am, yeah, leading the brand studio team, but also I'm often doing design work myself because otherwise we would only have one marketing designer, which um, is not enough. Um, how many? How many designers on the growth design team? On the growth design team, we have four designers. Okay. Including and you. We currently have, including myself, and we have two studios at the moment. Well, one, but like we have one on a retailer, and then there's the other one. Nice. So that's sort of like some outsourced design help that you can lean on when you need to. And do you manage the designers on the growth design team as well? Like, do they report to you in the company org structure and you're doing their performance reviews and things? Or is leadership in your role more about the strategic level and the like strategy of things? The interesting thing about Paystack is we've kind of evolved. Now we're at the point where I don't do that. Um, There was a world where I used to, I used to do that. So now I'm more focused. We have a design manager now. Cool. The best. <laughs> and now like I can focus on driving execution. 
Cool. But I love that you still get to be involved in the strategy at a leadership level, despite not being a manager. I think that's often like a, a trap we can fall into in design careers, right? Is that the only way to progress is to become a manager. And, uh, you know, there needs to be other ways. So I love that that's, that's what you've ended up in. Tell me more about where the team, this growth design team fits into the, like the company structure and within the wider design team as well. So on the design team, the design team at Pistack is broken into four buckets. Um, two of those four are really new. So before it used to be growth design and product design. We have like a systems team now. There's the design systems. And then the fourth one is design management. Right. So the design manager that you talked about um, that you have now are part of that team technically. And then they manage people within those other three design teams. Exactly. That's how it works. Does that mean that in the org structure, you sort of like flow up to a director of design or something like you sit within a design org within the company? Because my team is within the growth org technically. So we're like alongside marketing and sales and uh, our support team. Okay. So for a pay stack is slightly different. Um, design sits within the engineering org. So I report to the um, director of design. We have a director of design. Um, who reports to the VP of engineering and then engineering to the whole company. That's how it scales. See, <laughs> there's just so many ways to do this, right? Um, it's always fascinating to me. We'll get into talking more about how you collaborate um, across design org as, as a whole and like collaborate across these different teams. But first I want to ask you about the Paystack brand. How would you describe it to give people a sense? I would say the Paystack brand puts its user first. Um, we are very big on quality, so there's a lot of iteration. So it's an iterative brand. It's a constantly evolving brand. Um, we try to be as innovative as we can because we have a very ambitious goal. We try to power, uh, power payment in a whole continent. That's a very ambitious goal. That is goal. a big goal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we try our very best to be clear. I feel like if there's one thing I would say, the place that brand is very clear from how we think about copy to how we think about illustrations and the like, I will say we're very clear. Right. So it's like clarity is the number one priority in the things you're yeah. doing. That makes a lot of sense. And is your team, because you mentioned iterating and evolving the brand, is your team the one responsible for doing that, for like owning the brand and its visual expression at least? Um, I would say yes, especially in the early days. Um, and this is because a lot of the work we've done on the team has allowed us stretch the brand, like expand on the existing brand. Um, so as an example, we are more likely to work on a new vertical than versus building a different product. Because of that, like, yes, we have a lot of influence on the brand direction. And is it fair to say that the main you know, main work you do as an IC is on the marketing site? I would say yes and no. Like a lot of our requests actually come from the growth team, which is which is correct. But with time, that has changed a lot. So right now at Paystack, the growth, I would say the growth design team, we service, in fact, I'm thinking about like my to-dos today. We have a startup programs team, which um, is primarily responsible for engaging startups, engaging um, in the community. So we actively service that team. Um, we service the people team as well. So let's say from things like, let's say Zoom backgrounds and helping people to design in our company offsite to when we're building our, when we're designing our office in Lagos, like design was a huge part of that experience for 
oh, hey, this is how we should lay out the building. These are the colors we should go with. This oh, is how cool. the sign So not just like posters on the wall, like the no. whole layout of the building itself. I love like it. Like the whole layout. Yeah. Oh, we should have a pitch here. This is where it should be. This is how the sign samples should look like. So yeah. Yeah, cool. Everything. Wow. So a, a lot of things then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go back now and talk about collaboration as a design team because I really got a sense from you when we talked before this interview that Paystack has a really great design culture and that um, it is a very collaborative place and that you do try to like, you know, do things to inspire the team and things like that. So I don't know, tell me in your own words, what is the design culture like at Paystack? Yeah, very correct. It is very collaborative. It is also very expressive. A perfect example, I would say, is on one of the deliverables that we're currently executing this sprint, we're working with the product design team to improve the experience on an existing feature. This body of work requires animated icons. We collaborate across the team and like essentially we do all of those things with the goal of the team in mind. So with the product design example now, the use case, there's a, the existing use case I'm talking about, there's a product goal, right? And we are working to drive that goal. I'm curious to know how collaboration at ConvertKids works. Yeah, we that's something that we're honestly like working on getting better at. Right now we sort of work separately in the like growth marketing design side and in the product and we're looking for more opportunities to work together. The main ways we've done that so far have been, yeah, through illustrations in the app, like for empty states and, and things like that. Um, and also on our like upgrade funnel, we sort of like lended our marketing design expertise to those pages in the app when that happened. What are some of the things that you think, maybe I can learn from you on this, that you think lead to like a really collaborative um, atmosphere at Paystack across product and, and growth design? It starts from the company goals um, or the company values. One of our very strong values is, actually one of our values is choose transparency and communicate clearly. We are very big on that. So as an example, like you are very, you are more likely to find people ask questions in a public Slack channel and then have people from different teams versus having people go into your DMs to ask you a question. We've even learned that, I guess, for new people, it can, can be a bit of a culture shock. But with time, everybody sees the value in that. If I'm going to design something today, my review channel is most likely going to be public. The first feedback we get will, will definitely be within the smaller team. But aside that, it goes outside. And the great part about this is feedback can come from anywhere across the company. So um, I can be designing something and then someone on the user of Steam is like, oh, hey, you've noticed this trend. So maybe you want to do this. We're able to do this because we are open. And I guess that just, and we've created a culture to encourage people to just jump in and leave feedback. feedback. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You mentioned a, a review channel there. Do you make, um, this is like getting really into the weeds and nerdy question, but this is what we do on this show. Do you make a new Slack channel per project? to like group all the share your design work and have the conversation about the project in there. That's interesting. I think it's a hybrid of two of, okay. of the two of them. So um, if it's a new project, like you said, like something that from scratch, we would most likely have a new Slack channel. We have a interesting Slack naming convention. So it would be room project name, room hyphen project name. And then that's, this is where everybody collaborates. So like from requirement gathering, so you have like the um, product marketers, the um, the designers, the product designers, everybody just, you sometimes even the CEO, like essentially everybody just comes in, like say, I that's the place for that project. 
Exactly. And then once we go beyond that, once we get to the executing design phase, a lot of the early feedback will happen in that channel, but then we bubble it up. So we bring it to our more public channels that, oh, hey, in case you're curious, this is what the design team is working on. And another interesting culture we have that kind of, I guess, makes this better. We, we publish a monthly report across the design team. So at the end, it's interesting because I'm working on the one for this month. Nice. Again, okay, we're looking like, at your to-do list for today. <laughs> That's what we're talking about in this episode. <laughs> exactly. We rotate whoever, like, it's not just, I'm not responsible for the reports. So this time is my turn. Next month, it can be a product designer. So what that also does is lets you know what everybody's working on. So like actively or I guess passively, however, you get to learn what. And then by the time you share the report at the end of the day too, like there's more to learn from everybody. And that's an internal report, I'm guessing, that just yes. goes out amongst the teams and, and everyone gets, yeah, that's the place to go for insights. If you don't want to like read every message or check every Slack channel, you can just look at this report and get an overview of what everyone is working on. Exactly. Yes. Oh, I really like that. Is that more backwards looking or forward looking? Like, is it about what we did in the past month or is it more about what we're going to do in, in the next month? It's more Here's what we've done in the last month. But if you're curious about more of this, you can check this channel and this channel and this channel because this is still happening. So that report really sounds like a good place for all of the designers across the company and like anyone else too, to check in on what's happening. But do you meet like weekly or monthly as a wider design team as well or have like crit sessions and stuff like that? Well, we have crit sessions um, with scale is becoming harder to, I guess, get everybody on board. But say, for example, if I'm working on something today, the first approach is to share in our public feedback channel, right? So get feedback. If we're trying to, let's say there's a bit of confusion on something that it has, feels like multiple people have different um, requirements, we can have like a feedback call. Across the design team, we have a bi-weekly enhancement where, and Depending on the agenda, the agenda is not strict, it's quite flexible. So different people could come present, oh, hey, this is what I've been working on. What do you think? Um, sometimes we can even just watch movies. That's how, like... Oh my gosh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, like, it honestly varies, to be honest. Like, the other day we were drawing, we are just, I can't remember the two. We essentially were embracing ourselves with our design skills. It wasn't so great. It was like, hey, with your trackpad, draw this animal. Or do oh, this. wow. So... <laughs> So yeah, we do we do a lot of that. So, and the critic is a good opportunity. Those those things that like watching a movie, doing silly drawings together. I think that is probably contributing a lot to your culture as well, right? Like just getting everybody comfortable with each other, because um, that's what you need that that layer of like trust to be able to get and give really good feedback, right? Yes, especially in your, I guess when you're remote first first world, those things are very very important. And it definitely does sound like from what you were saying about the first place to get feedback is asynchronously in a Slack channel um, that you do default to asynchronous to start with and then like get on a call if we need to, if there's some stuff that needs clarifying. Yes, yes, that's, that's how it works. I'm curious to know if um, the Paystack music project came about through one of these like design team jam sessions. I don't know. Tell me about that because it's a really cool project. Um, we'll show it on screen right now for anyone watching the video version. And if you're listening to the audio, then... Um, I guess you can check the link in the description. But yeah, tell us tell us about how, how that came about, Tommy. If I remember correctly, we had just finished working on um, another vertical. I think it was Paystack Storefront. So I think it was Paystack Storefront. 
And that was like with many things that happened, like at, with product launches, um, a lot of things changed and then you have to maybe deliver on a tight schedule. Right. So there was so one of like, those like stressful, nose to the grindstone type of projects. Exactly. So we had just, I feel like we had two of those and it was a perfect time to, I guess, get the team to call off, right? Internally across Facebook, we have a music channel because music is honestly a very big part of what we do at Paystack. And it has grown as we've scaled because then you have different people with different music tastes. So we have this channel that we would usually, people just share, um, hey, this is what I'm listening to. You should check out this artist. Hey, you should check out this person. Oh, this person just dropped a fire album. You should check it out. So we have all of that. And then we decided to make it into the first problem we had was there was no way to compile that. So from a jam session, I guess, between like a couple of people on the team, I think he was the head of growth, a product designer, and like maybe one or two other people on my team were like, oh, hey, you can build this thing. And now is actually a good time to do it. I would like my team to do this because we really need something. Like, I think this would be a good opportunity to cool off, right? And I was like, oh, that's fine. We can, I guess, dedicate like two and a half, three weeks to do this if there's something you're down for doing. And yes, that's pretty much how the whole village started. And it's like, oh, hey, we have this very short timeline to do this. But then there's the back end we need to do. There's the websites we need to do. So we need the back end to like collect the playlist from Slack. We need a beautiful UI to design, like to display the, the playlist. We want to highlight the rock stars that work at Paystack. So the UI, we want the UI to be able to actually show who shared this link, um, this URL so that you can kind of like follow it, I guess, across. And that's essentially how we started from like, I guess, one meeting to one Slack message to multiple Slack messages to different functional team. I think the product designer literally led the backend team as leading the, I guess, the web experience team. Copy came, I think copy came from marketing in between. But within all of those different, like, I guess, teams, we had a jam session, had multiple jam session, kept iterating. Like we, we knew that we didn't have any brand restriction. So we're just like, it was, it was the perfect thing. It's like, Hey, have fun, build something for yourself. Like at the end of the day, we can always use this. So like, I guess, listen to the music. And yeah, we did that. We wrote the code, we wrote a blog post about how we did it. And honestly, just released this thing to the internet and the reception was no we expected. Like it has been crazy. We're like, oh, we just built this thing for ourselves. But good to know that. People really like this and people actually come to the, um, I guess the website. So the way we built the website is in an interesting way so that we compile the templates or the playlist at the first of every month. So we have an automated, it's called, I think it's a cron job. So we have a cron job that runs like at the first of every month to build everything, including the website. So there was a month where for some reason, Video work. So, like, the new playlist was, and we had people message say, Where's the playlist? <laughs> Where's the playlist? I was like, Oh, whoa, we're sorry. <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry. But hey, yeah. So, it was it's actually a very interesting project. And it was so beautiful how everything came out in the end. I love that as a company, you were able to invest time and resources into that too, right? That the leadership level or like whoever's in charge of like saying yes or no to how you spend your time working on a project saw the value in that. Saw the value in giving designers a chance to blow off steam. Like we've just worked through some really tough projects. Let's just have some fun. And that investing in that is going to lead to being able to get back to the the tougher projects uh, in the future. Yeah, yeah. And it really helped 
even on the team, like you could tell that the energy was up. Like, I mean, the energy was here, but then it was like, yeah, yeah. Like everybody was just proud of the work they had put in. And it sounds like, honestly, it's a great tool for like hiring and stuff now too. People can get a sense of who's on the team and the general like culture of FaceTime. <laughs> I think that's cool. Funny enough, it's also an interest, like we didn't see this coming. Like we didn't see the brand, like say the brand perception impact or the brand impact of the project at all. Like you have salespeople in meetings and then you have people referencing that, oh, like the salesperson talking to me, are you not so sure? So you shared this song on Pistak Music. I was like, ha. Wow. Sorry, what the? So, and yeah, then you're like, like, yeah, yeah, that was, uh, we were meaning to do that. <laughs> <laughs> All along, that was totally the intention. It just shows that you know the brand well and that when you can just like trust designers to have some fun, like good things can come out of it. And even if the only, you know, in quote marks, only benefit had been giving the designer the chance to blow off steam, it would have been worth it. But the fact that it also has all these other company benefits is just awesome. Let's get back into talking about the work that, um, you know, is assigned to you though, or like does come down from company goals. Tell me about the, how the success of your work is measured. Like what metrics or like outcomes are you held accountable to? On our team, it's very important um, performance um, because we know the market we are building for. So um, how long are people spending on the page? How easy is it to find this, this, this? Because we already worked with the marketing team. We have a sense of what our average signups are across. We know our top performing pages. We know our most visited pages. When we work on, let's say, brand asset, could be announcement asset, that is a little more qualitative. So yeah, we've done some research. We know who we are designing this asset for. We try to measure interactivity. So like, firstly, like if we're designing like a, um, let's say assets for a developer specific event, who are the people interacting with this? Are these developers? If we're designing it for a new African market, um, what does the actual brand perception in that market look like? Does it actually meet our target? Those are some of the things we measure. And to be honest, some of those things it's harder to measure them versus like monthly signups or what's the page speed and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. How, how, what are some of the ways you measure the brand perception? Is that through like user research calls? Do you run surveys? I guess. I don't know. I guess. Well, I say recently just concluded a brand audit exercise across the team and that literally involved everybody from users to indirect paystack users to people within the company just to get a sense of, oh, a lot has happened in between point A and point B where we are today. How has the brand perception evolved? What are the things we should be thinking about? So how should we be thinking about the brand? And yeah. Oh, that's interesting too, that you talked about the indirect users as well, because obviously it's people who are making the payments and not necessarily collecting them. Yep, exactly. I like it. I like it a lot. Site speed though is a really interesting one. And honestly, you're one of the first guests to have talked about that on this show. I, I find it doesn't often come up as a metric of success. And it's something that at ConvertKit we're really focusing on right now because Google is really cracking down on this. And if your site does not like perform adequately, if things don't load quickly, you don't get that like first meaningful paint, um, you get penalized in search results. And so it's become like a really important thing, like site speed is a way we're improving our SEO. Um, but tell me more about, about why it's a vital metric at Paystack and, and what you look at to measure it. Firstly, our market is different. 
So depending on the market we are going to, internet penetration or connectivity is different. So we plan for that from day one, to be honest, because let's say like averagely assuming this is just a rough number. I don't know if this is true, but like it's somewhere close. If we have more people using 3Gs or 2Gs in this part of the world, then we should not be building for people that are, I guess, using 5G internet and like higher on higher broadband speed. Um, what that usually ends up meaning for my team specifically is um, like, I think all our websites, maybe but one or two, we build like from scratch. So we write HTML, CSS, little to no framework at all um, because we essentially are optimizing for our users. So if it's going to take us X more hours to deliver a better experience for our users, then we are going to go through that journey. Yeah, but you want to do it to make it make it worth the site speed. Is there a like a bar you want to hit for like the time that it, it takes a page to load that you're like, yeah, okay, cool, this is good enough? I feel like the bar is always constantly improving. It's constantly shifting. And the truth is um, for performance, there's always, I guess, more you can do. But like you rightly stated, there's the guess a point where you just know that, okay, the, this last 90%, the last pocket is not really... The value I'm going to get from that is not really worth the effort into that. So I think averagely we try to do, we get our pages to load within a second or less. And we test that through different ways. And aside load, aside load time, um, we need to test this across multiple devices. It's very important because I'm not sure because I haven't looked at this um, today, but like if I'm building a website today, I most likely need to consider maybe Microsoft Edge or late Internet Explorer, just because there's a chance where um, I may have someone in an office that still, that maybe doesn't use a laptop, that uses a desktop and is running on a Windows laptop. And that's not their fault. It's just a function of what their company is giving them. Um, we need to be able to account for those users as well. We need to be able to account for users that would I guess use the internet via Opera Mini, which if you write code, is a very hard browser to build for. So yeah, those are just the, those are the different verticals we need to consider when we are doing that. And it's interesting to hear you say that your choice of not using a framework of like using, I guess, like vanilla HTML, CSS code as much as possible is one of the ways that you um, try to improve site speed. What other considerations do you make as a designer when it comes to site performance? Like, are you limited in the number of photographs you can add to a page or I don't know, that sort of thing? Um, does, does that come into it for you? Yes, definitely. Um, so as an example, we would use SVGs instead of actual raw images, like, and we would align the SVG. So we'll take the SVG code and dump it to the HTML because we're trying to optimize that. We would maybe tone down on plain width. So one of the things we want to do maybe today is... Again, you have to do this for today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but like today is the first thing that comes to mind. So no, it's um, great. <laughs> We're getting let's the realness. Say we want to <laughs> we want to build um, build an experience that uses a new technology. We may need to we may decide to tone down that. Just observe the market first. Observe penetration, like what volume of our or like what's the volume of our users or of our viewers have this new version of let's say Chrome. As an example, if we want to use web technologies, let's say we want to play in, like want to build something with um, WebGL and yes, things like WebGL and, and the likes, we 
try to be very careful. Um, we don't want our users fans acting up. Like we don't want things that wouldn't work in. And even when we do those, we try to add a lot of fallbacks as well. So like try to add fallback to, to account for users essentially that do not have that capacity. It sounds like you stay really close to, to the code. Are you coding the designs that you create or like, how do you work with the developer on them? I code the designs that I make, um, on the team, my very lean team. And I guess it also helps that I have a bit of engineering and product design background. So I'm very close to the designs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which helps obviously like you, you're talking about making these decisions about fallbacks and things. You can be like, I know what I need to fall back to or like what needs a fallback because I'm going to be the one coding it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's how we think about it. Can you share an example of a project where you like you shipped something and the site speed just wasn't quite where you wanted it to be and how you then iterated on that and, and got it to, to an acceptable level? So yes, um, integrations directory is definitely um, one of them. And this was also another interesting project because here our client wasn't the marketing team. It was more or less like the developer relations team. So you can think about them as the developer educations team, kind of. I think some people call that, call those teams that. Um, so here we're working with them to build an online di directory of um, the various integrations we or other people have built to PaySAC. So this was something that was, that we had to iterate over because the first time we, by the time we designed this and implemented the first version of our design, we didn't account for um, essentially, we're pulling a list from a database, right? We're pulling a list of integrations from a database. We didn't account for the load time that it was going to take to generate that. Right, and to be fetching that data. Exactly, yeah. to, be fetch, to be fetching the data. And by the time we had pushed the demo, because, hey, we had made this from that. Oh, hey, this is going to be ready at point X. And then, like, maybe two days to point X or, like, three days to point X comes, and we're testing this scenario, like, oops. We need to go back to the drawing board for this. Um, how can we make this better? How can we rethink the code? How can we update the design to serve this, um, this purpose? So thankfully we were able to make the case. The team was like, oh, hey, we understand. We can see what you're saying. I think we did like three different variations of the page. So we eventually got to the point. In fact, after we optimized speed, we were like, oh, hey, this thing is nice. But we realized that yes, in the, in the hurry of trying to launch, we didn't design like an empty state for the search. So yes, hey, let's go back. Let's, let's add that as well. Let's give users the ability, not just to show an, a list of it, a directory of integration, but let's make it easy for, um, I guess, third parties to submit their integration as well. Because I mean, people are building a lot of things on Facebook today. Some we know, some we don't know. And, and what better way to like, I guess, build that archive than to leverage on our existing network. So those were some of the interesting things that we've that we did. Another one that comes to mind now is an end of the year. So we usually have, um, we publish gift guides as a part of an end of the year campaign. Right. And on one I'm guessing of the with and all the products in the gift guides are with Paystack customers, businesses. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And very, so like, because we're very big on like the African creator community, like Paystack, we're big on that. So we, we try as much as possible to highlight those type of products in our gift guides. Uh, so like the indie merchant that is building something, let's say handcrafted, 
things in their house. We have products like that on the page. So that's another example of a product that we had to push back either because of timeline, because um, scope was too much, like we couldn't deliver on the scope in the, like in, within the time frame, or we had to like, at different point, we had to iterate on the design just to get to our performance benchmark. And at the points where we couldn't hit that performance benchmark, we thought of clever ways to maybe introduce a loading state um, that creates the illusion that creates the illusion of speed essentially. So here we are using code, here we are using design. We're trying everything just to make sure that um, the site's performance is great. Speed is top notch. The illusion of speed, I like that. Um, that's definitely what loading states do, right? Like if you can see something happening instead of just a blank screen, um, it feels fast even if this is actually loading at the same time. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, maybe that ties into something else I wanted to ask you, which is what advice you have for designers when it comes to thinking about site speed and considering how their designs, these websites we're designing, might be used in markets where the internet connection is slower. So yes, I think the things that come to mind are actually like, I feel like a bunch of Google guidelines. There's definitely load speed. I mean, I feel like I can't flog load speed enough. So that's like making sure our images are compressed, compressed as possible and that we're not loading something that's a whole megabyte when it's only sitting on the screen at about this big. <laughs> exactly. And like, remember, because we try to work with partners as well. So like, aside, um, I guess the studios we have on retainer, we try as much as possible to create a community of African creators. And what that's, as an example, now we have a web studio and then a brand studio. By the time we collaborate on something, like there's no, the chances of the web and brand studio collaborating before Paystack was going to be, was probably like little to none. But like now with Paystack in the mix, we are like, they're definitely going to collaborate. We do that as well with um, individual creators. We have maybe an illustrator from another country in Africa that we work with and then another country. So essentially we try to do those type of things. And when you work with those type of people, that's the context we have. So we need to communicate, okay, say, hey, I'm outsourcing a website for someone else to build. We need to have it as part of the requirement that, oh, yes, load speed is important to us. That means like when you put an image, please consider this. Sometimes it can also be complex computations on the browser. Right. Because when we outsource this, and sometimes we like, no, well, not of that, we review the code as well. We think of like cheaper ways to do the same things on the browser. Essentially, that's what it is. So, like, let's say it's a, it could be a, a JavaScript code state. Oh, hey, you are doing this thing, like this normal blind, but then the repercussion is it affects painting, as an example. Oh, hey, let's do this thing. Oh, hey, you have this animation library in your code. How can we optimize that? And yeah, I think everything ties down to page speed. And like you said, Google is cracking down on page. I'm, I feel like I'm one of the people that I'm so happy about that now. because Yeah, I it's going like, to force everyone to pay attention to it, right? <laughs> yes, because I feel like um, it's something that the whole community as a whole should care about. Like, like, I don't think we care about it enough, essentially. Agreed. And I think it'll be really inspiring for people to hear about how you work with it. So thanks for thanks for sharing all that. Uh, I'm also really getting a sense that the connection between design and code is really vital for this. Like we can't just have designers handing over giant assets or like designs that are going to take something like a, you know, WebGL to build them. Um, there needs to be a collaboration so that we're considering how our designs will be coded. Yes, it, there has to be some form of collaboration. And I guess with scale, I also want to add that with scale, we are going to have less. So now we have one web engineer that's not a designer. 
right? And there's a lot of learning from the product design side on handoff processes, because that's not something we had prior to this. It was just like, right. Well, you didn't have person. to hand things off if you were building it. You were handing exactly. it off to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. I like that. Um, let's move on to talking about a different side of data and how that impacts your work, which is conversion rates. So I'm assuming that is like a really important metric for the marketing team in the like marketing briefs you work on. Um, but how closely do you pay attention to this as a designer at Paystack? How the site is converting, getting users to sign up? Put it in context. We publish a marketing weekly report. Yes, that has our sign up numbers. Nice. So you get access to that data weekly. Exactly. I am constantly stupid that, oh, hey, what's this? And that also helps me because when I'm giving feedback or when I'm um, designing as well, giving actionable feedback, we can draw a line across some of the things we've done in the past that were successful to help people go forward. Do you run tests like AB conversion rate tests to see how one design performs better than another? Or is it more like, We'll ship an update to this page and compare to how it performed before. Honestly, it's a hybrid, right? Um, we've had projects where we would run designed multiple iterations in Sigma because, I mean, that's easier to do and then try to get some form of feedback. But at the same time, it's also interesting because we are just, like I mentioned, we're building, we're just building out our research function at the company. So before research used to be a function of, I guess, my best practice, it used to be a function of the designer. We didn't have a dedicated researcher. Right. You had now, to do your own research. Exactly. And that would mean that I would do Figma tests today. Tomorrow, I'll most likely say, oh, I think this will trust me. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll measure and then push our inspiration. So it's been a hybrid of both. But now I'm confident in the fact that we're getting to the point where we are documenting our process and it will be a bigger part of how we work. Does conversion rate or like a, like wanting to see a change in that tend to be the reason why you would iterate on a page on the site? Like say the homepage, does that tend to be a reason that it becomes a project you work on because you see that there's opportunity to increase the conversion rate? Yes, definitely. Also, if the goal shifts, if the goal post shifts, um, by goal post, I mean like if there is a higher metric we want to track as well. Then that could also be another reason why we're iterating on a page. Oh, nice. What could be an example of what one of those higher metrics could be? Um, let's assume, this is on top of my head, we're trying to drive enterprise sales. This is like a real-life example. We've pushed an improvement to the homepage. Before on the homepage, we just used to have the sign-up button. And the contact sales button was kind of hidden somewhere in the drop-down. And then we realized that, Oh, hey, I think this was, this was definitely from like feedback of like, oh, hey, we're trying to grow the sales volume. We have more people in this bucket now. Let's try to push, even if it's a quick, let's validate that idea. Let's try to push a quick up improvement to see how that works. Another example would be tracking, um, it's a form of referral, but not necessarily referral. So as an example, if you run a campaign, being able to track investment on that campaign down to what merchants actually came from that campaign and just being able to have access to all of that data to say, oh, hey, we paid X amount for this. We spent two weeks on this and this is the ROI in six months. That will also require an improvement. Yeah, I like that you pay attention not just to the money you spent on it, but the time you spent on it as well, because that is also money, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> 
I'm really interested in this change to the homepage to make the like sales, um, like contact sales more obvious. How, how fast did that project happen to like get an iteration out? Did you try a few things first or was it like, no, this, the answer is obvious. <laughs> so for that one, to be honest, the answer was quite obvious and it really helped that, um, as part of the work like that we did on the website, we built, I guess, like we managed a CMS, um, which is like a content management tool to add for the team to edit copy on the website. It's a templated module. So we already had the module to add this button. So we're like, oh, hey, let's even just go to this tool, blah, 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 put the URL and see how that performs. And the return was actually, like the difference was actually fast. It was like a very small thing, but the, a lot of the work there was listening to the stakeholder, hearing or the partner in this case, hearing what they were trying to do. Oh, this is what you're trying to do. I think we may have a system that's all for that. Give me two minutes, I'll be right back. Nice. Yeah, like the the time that it took to understand the problem was way more than actually making the solution. <laughs> yes, definitely. That's good. But you wouldn't have been able to get to that quick solution without listening to the problem, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, wait, tell me more about this modular like system then that you use um, for the site. Have you got like a design system for the Paystack marketing site? In the code base, yes, we have that. In Figma, not so much. That's interesting because we have the opposite problem at ConvertKit right now where we have more of a design system in Figma than we do in the code base. <laughs> so as is the other way around, and I guess we are solving that because this year it's one of the things that came up this year is like the system still, like I already mentioned. So that's part of, you know, like that's one of the things we're working with them um, to figure out. And then from the CMS, on the CMS itself, which is the content management tool, we tried to make modules on the site modular. So on the homepage now, there's the hero section that is modular. Um, the next section is also modular. What that means is I can create a page tomorrow and use the hero module from the homepage and then maybe use like a, I know that separate section that we've built, like another module, let's, I would say maybe like an interactive module. We'll use the interactive module on the, let's say on the pricing page, use it on this third page. We've built a system so that we can do those things. Oh, cool. And what are you using for that system? Um, so we use a tool called Craft CMS today. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Okay, that sounds like a really great way to be able to act quickly on, well, needing to make a change like this of adding the contact sales, but also just building up a quick landing page too. So something I always like to do at the end of these episodes is like look forward to the future. Um, I'm really curious to know what like skills you're working on building next or what growth looks like for you. This is something that I've had my audience ask about in the past. It's like, what is the career path for a marketing designer? Um, so yeah, what what are you working on? Currently, I, am, as I would say like I'm lucky to have joined a company like, I guess, in the very early stages or like in the very early chapter of the company. I think we're barely 30 when I joined. And what that means is that I have one multiple hats and uh, across that life cycle, I think right now, like growth is growing into a, guess like a balanced role. Balance is not the term I'm looking for, but essentially going into a capacity where I'm able to mentor like upcoming designers in quotes, able to help people make the same journey I've made, but in a shorter time, right? And I think another thing I'm also constantly to trying to do, which I guess can be a blessing on your courses. Um, with design, there's never really an end. I'm always trying to, the other day I was on leave and then I bought 
a course one day into my leave because I was trying to just, hey, let me go back into the basics of oh, um, JavaScript Canvas just to play around with what that looks like. So I feel like it, a lot of that is, um, that's where my growth is like, um, just trying to upskill, improving on my leadership skill and um, for myself also and for my team. I love it. And then one final question for you, Tommy, is at, in your time at Paystack, what is either the project or the impact, the outcome that you are most proud of? And you've been there for like five years, so I know there's a lot to think through and pick from, but let's pick one thing. <laughs> it has to be music. It has to be music um, because it embodies all my values, if I'm being honest, collaboration on check, literally because it took a whole village to to bring that to life. and then just. Being able to express myself creatively is a big, is a big for me. And Pesach music literally gave me the leeway to do that. And I guess also like effort is good, but it's great to see reward. And like you, Pesach music is perfect because the reward was like, I mean, like quantitative reward is nice, but like this was more, oh, seeing, hearing people talk about this in hiring conversations or hearing people, I don't know, say, oh, I was in this sales pitch and then this thing literally just was the over the line for me. So I guess, yes, uh, like definitely pistol.com slash music is definitely it. No one will be surprised by that answer from the way you like lit up when you were talking about that earlier on in this episode. Um, so yeah, it's been so great to hear about your work and, and learn about your process and the things that you consider in the design process. Everyone go check out paystack.com slash music. Um, yeah, thanks for everything that you've shared, Tommy. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Ali. I really appreciate doing this. Well, I hope that after this episode, you are convinced that page performance and site speed needs to be a metric of success for the marketing site that you work on. And we really got a great crash course from Tommy about some of the factors that go into a speedy website. So thank you, Tommy. It's really clear to me that Tommy's knowledge of code goes hand in hand with his design skills and is a huge help in making design decisions that won't slow a website down because he has that context of how it's going to be coded, right? So. I guess let's put that in the pro column for the old should designers learn to code debate. <laughs> You'll find links to follow Tommy and also check out the music project that we talked about in the show notes. And I want to say a huge thanks to Webflow for supporting the show. Check it out for yourself using the link in the description and have a play around with that interaction timeline. Trust me, you're going to love it. We are about halfway through the season now and you can check out all of the episodes so far in both video and audio form at insidemarketingdesign.com. And if you're enjoying the show, it would mean a lot to me if you wanted to head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Tell your friends about it too. You know what? While you're at it, let's share the marketing design love and I'll see you and hopefully your friends in the next episode. See you then.